What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to episode five of our off-road rhetoric series here on Whiskey Throttle Media. Today, we're here with Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna, Factory Racing, Austin Walton. What's going on, Austin? How are you doing, man? It's going good, man. Right now, we're kind of in a little bit of a break, but my name is Austin Walton. I race the off-road for Factory Rockstar Husqvarna and have been for a couple of years now. I started with them in 2020, and that was kind of the biggest goal that I had achieved in my whole career. Obviously, everybody's goal is to be factory and to knock that off in 2020. I was like, that was the top of the list. The one thing that, you know, it was like the the be all for just making my program, you know, what it is today and just also capping what I've been able to put into it. You know, over the years, I started riding when I was four years old and have been going ever since. I've been doing this for around 20 years um, in the, you know, just going serious at it. I mean, when I was 13 is really when I made that change to... Uh, <laughs> being completely serious with the whole aspect of the program, not just having fun on the dirt bike and not really doing the work off the dirt bike when I was doing some stuff and trying to, but that was really when I cracked down on just the physical side of things off the dirt bike. And I could just remember days in the gym, you know, I thought I was going to throw up and my dad's just like, well, then throw up. You know? <laughs> I, that's, if you think you're going to throw up, like who cares? We'll clean this up, you know? And I was all worried about it because I'm in a public gym and things like this. And once I push myself past a lot of these boundaries, you realize like what you're capable of and realizing like you don't understand your capabilities. It's unlimited. It just depends on how much work you want to put in. So, you know, pushing from then all the way through, I, I grew up racing in the off-road industry and a lot of people didn't know that coming into the off-road in 2018. Everyone was like, oh, it's this moto kid, you know, and I at the time like came in with a pro supercross license and a pro outdoor license and 16 years of racing and that. And uh, everyone thought I was just this moto kid. And, I, you know, I kind of chuckled about it because I was like, well, most people just, I guess they don't know enough about me yet. So uh, let's show them. And when I was able to do really well in 2018, at the time, I kind of took a little bit of a break from the motocross and supercross. And my cousin Ross was talking about the work series and a lot of my friends and whatnot have brought up the work series. And I was like, I might as well go and see what I can do with it. Cause it's a bit of both worlds that I've grew up doing and, me living here in Reno, Nevada, like I have miles and miles of off-road. So, I mean, you could imagine the training side of things for my motocross when I was at home, like I was traveling through the desert to get to my <laughs> moto track. So yeah, that's pretty much my background. I mean, I could keep going on and on about all the details, but you know, let you get in there and ask kind of some detailed questions. Yeah, for sure. No, that's cool. And I think it is interesting, like like you mentioned before, people thought you coming in or just a moto guy. But if you look at the yeah. series that you're racing or and some of the off-road races you're doing, there's guys from lots of different disciplines, right? You have the moto guys that come sure. in. You have the guys that have been racing off-road or or um, desert racing their whole life. And then you have hair scramble guys. And what's cool is when you go to those, you know, like the NGPC series that I know you're doing this year and you have all these guys at the different backgrounds that you're racing against. And, but it's cool that you guys all can still put it together and race those type of races. So I guess for me, what, what was the biggest thing, <laughs> thing you mentioned going in off-road, it wasn't that big of a, a change because of where you live out in Reno, right? You're, you're by a bunch of desert as it is, but compare that to racing like the ISDE, which is totally different than some of the off-road races you're doing. Like what kind of experience yeah. was that? That was, um, you know, coming from just like a motocross and supercross and that scenario to the off-road that we have here on the West Coast in the U.S. was definitely a big eye-opener on just the, the different 
dynamic of the race being that it's six days, your all-time events. And then the other thing, the big, big thing too, is you have to walk all the tests beforehand and shoot that year. I didn't have much information and knowledge with it and doing it as the, the club rider side of things. Like I didn't know where all the tests were. Like you're in another country, you got to have phone service and all this stuff to get all the you know, directions to everything and be able to run maps to get there. And that year I hadn't walked that many courses before the race had started, but typically um, you'll like last year we walked 56 miles and sometimes most of the time, if we can, we'll walk everything twice. So double that, you know, we're walking around hundred miles before we even start the race um, just so we can see everything as much as possible, because that's all you get before you have to throw the fastest time down you possibly can in the midst of basically the transfers to get there. And it's, it was crazy. Like last year racing uh, in France was from what everyone kind of described one of the more technical years. I mean, we had transfers that were like an hour long and you think that you like might be on a transfer that's pretty mellow that you can kind of cruise on. <laughs> that, that was not the case. You know, you're on gnarly transfers. I think I crashed more on the transfers than I did even in the tests. Uh, just because you come up into stuff and just kind of a different mindset as trying to recover or just take care of the body till you get to the test. And that's where you exert everything you have for that period. And then you go to the next. Um, but you know, like the, the transfers are challenging. It can vary from any type of terrain, rocky, just the gnarliest stuff you can think of. I mean, there was some sections where I was like, you don't get to see any of that stuff either too. So when you come into it, you're kind of like completely blind. And uh, there was quite a few sections that were brutal. And then when we, on certain time, uh, certain times throughout the week, they'll run tests for the same day back to back. So all the transfers that we had rode the day before the second day on it was, they were all silty sections in a lot of areas. So you imagine putting 800 riders through the same section in some silt, it turns into just, in, I mean, it's just crazy. Just, just <laughs> yeah. chaos. You can't even see where you're going or anything. Yeah. It's complete chaos. And I'm like, we're not even racing. And I'm over here running bikes over and stuff. Like I'm just trying to get to the next test and stay in my time frame. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, and that's the other thing too, is like, you can't screw up on the transfers, you know, cause like that was the biggest eye opener too. when I saw how challenging they could be. Cause like 2019, when I went, that was in Portugal and that wasn't anything too crazy. Like it got gnarly. I think on day three, cause it started raining and they, they shot us up into the mountains and stuff. And we were in Lisbon. Um, so like close to the coast. And so like, you could imagine a little bit of rain. So we started getting some rain and some of those tests like were so slick. You couldn't even get on the throttle. And like, if you made the wrong judgment coming into a turn too fast, like you were along for the ride. And some of those tests, like there was no room for error. Like you're literally going off like a mountain or down a hill into a canyon. Um, and that's kind of typical for most years. Like it's crazy where they put these tests. Like it's really cool to see how much work and effort goes into those races. Cause like over here in America, like you'll go to some courses and partially the course is marked, but you know, there's a lot of missed sections where they literally wrap tape around the whole entire track, both sides all the way around. So like, you know, where you're going, um, and it's, it's, it's wild to see the different changes from running a test for just the first time, like this last year being farther up in the trophy teams, we're riding Bergen courses where in 2019, I think I started 838. So like I was so far back and then that 
position, like I'm behind guys that aren't even close to my speed because <laughs> that's just where their team finished the year before, where we mm-hmm. ended up or, you know, where we got basically put into the the pool of riders. So the first day of racing, like you're passing guys on tests or like a couple guys uh, um, where when you're on the world trophy side of things, you're so much farther up and you still have that, but it's so much more minimal. Um so, I mean, the change between just what we have over here to that. Yeah, I think what's crazy to me is how when you guys go over there, you know, over here in the series that you guys do, you you get to see the track, you know, you kind of know where you're going, where those races over there, you're, like you said, you can walk it or or bike it or whatever you guys are doing, but you're, it's not the same as riding it. So I, I can't even imagine trying to go into it blind and, and knowing I got to have a certain time to, to get through these segments and then just going all out. Like that's gotta be, that's gotta be pretty intense and something that yeah. takes, takes a while to learn. And, um, uh, and some of those guys have been doing it for a long time. So, but I think it's cool that there's so many different styles of racing out there and they're all so different, but also, you know, guys from different disciplines can make it work. So that's for cool. sure. Well, what I want to sure. do is to get to, you know, get to know you a little bit more personally. I have a few of these, would you rather questions that I've been asking uh, on the podcast are fun and just yeah. to kind of get, you know, get to know you more personally. So the first one is, uh, would you rather win the lottery or live twice as long? I don't know. I, that's a, that's a really hard one. I, it is. I feel like I'd go back and forth. Cause it's like, you know, if I win the lottery, like I can do so many more things and have such a, like, not, it's not to say that it's all about money, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I look at, but you can have a fuller life. And for me, it's like, I've always said, it kind of falls into a question that I always say myself, like if I ever won the lottery, I would go 10 times harder in the racing side of things for myself because of the more things I'd be able to do. So I, I have to go back and forth because, I mean, if I was able to live a longer double life, like I could do all this and then, you know, at the end be done and go and do something else and try many more things. So I feel like I'm kind of in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad way to be. I lo- like you mentioned in the beginning, you know, if you do win the lottery, you, you can live that maybe that one life that you wanted to live, right? You can do all the things, you can spend more effort into the things you like to do, which again, you know, they say money can't buy you happiness, but I'd like to prove that theory wrong, but, um, yeah. but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, a hard <laughs> one. definitely a hard one to answer. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Well, second one is, would you rather be a, go back and be a kid your whole life or be an adult your whole life? It's funny being an adult, you want to be a, a kid again, but I like being an adult because of just the things that you're able to do that you can as a kid. Like it's cool to be a kid because you have all these people that are doing so many more things for you that you don't have to worry about, you know, Mm -hmm. being younger, but being an adult, like I like the accountability. I like to be able to push myself and have that responsibility. That's something that, you know, growing up, I've always wanted more of, and just to have that control is I'd rather be an adult. Yeah, that's cool. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? I would probably, I'd probably rather be too hot. Yeah, I think that's the popular one. Like when it's hot, it's miserable. You can cool down, but when it's cold, especially if you're racing or riding, it's that's that's hard to do. What your hands hurt? Yeah. Dude, it's just it's just miserable, right? It's it's not yeah. fun. I like to put myself in cold situations and taking ice baths because I think it's a very good thing. But to stay in an ice bath for <laughs> you know all day long, I don't know about that. 
Yeah, everybody's kind of on that ice bath train, which I think you know, obviously everybody's looking at the more science behind training and, re and body recovery now that there's so much more information out there. So I think it's cool that yeah. you guys are looking at that because definitely on on your in your racing, you guys are exerting a lot of energy and recovery is just as important as training and racing. So it's that's cool that you guys are looking into all that. Yeah, no, it's, it's between a, a motocross weekend back to back and a works race or NGPC race back to back, like two hour race. And then you go home, like the amount of you'd start depleting yourself, like when you pass that 30 minute mark or the hour mark and you're still pushing at such a high level, your body starts to fall apart <laughs> and to recover it for the next weekend. We definitely rely on our fitness to be able to do that. Well, and you're still young. Just wait till you get a little up there in age and then uh, your body doesn't recover like it used to. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I have already started to see a little bit of it. But man, like I, I think about it when I'm older, I'm, I just kind of have the mindset now. It's like when I'm older, I'm going to deal with it because I wouldn't want to do it any different. Like oh, I'm great. not going to take back all mm. of the, I don't want to sit out on the things that I've done, you know, to save my body for later on down the road. I'll figure that out when I get there. I like that. The next one is, would you rather own your own boat or your own plane? I'd probably say boat because I could use that more and hang out with my friends and have such a more or such a better time with it than a plane. Because the plane would be cool, but you can only fly somewhere. You can't enjoy when you get there with your plane. You just get to sit on the plane strip and or the airway and so a boat. Yeah, especially right now, you guys are on that summer break from the series. Uh, you you know, you could be out on the lake quite often. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, the, and the last one is, would you rather explore space or the ocean? I would say space. I've always been kind of a fond person of just the, I don't know, futuristic things. And it's funny because I say that because I'm kind of quite opposite. I like to, I want to keep in the old times of things, but I think space is more interesting than the ocean. I agree. And the, the ocean freaks me out anyway. So I will. Uh, yeah, no, I don't uh, do too good in the water. <laughs> no, me neither. The lake. Okay. But the ocean, uh, count me out. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely helpless when there's a shark or anything <laughs> coming after me. I'm, I'm just sitting there. I'm sitting duck. What is your biggest pet peeve? I think off the top of my head, my biggest pet peeve is the, the peeves that people, other people have that, you know, I, like the people that I care about that are close to me, I notice them probably sometimes more than other people and they irritate me. And I realize, like, wait a second, like this isn't even my pet peeve. And I'm over here, like complaining about it for them. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I would say that's probably common. The closest people to you, right. You wouldn't say you get annoyed with them or, or whatever the word you want to use, but you're around them so often that maybe it, maybe I don't know. It's not always you're not always treating them the best because they're always around. But in in hindsight, looking at it, you know they're the people that are closest to you. So um, totally can understand that. What is something that most people wouldn't know about you? Any hit, hidden talents? Anything that people that you did in your life that people wouldn't know? I always say that. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a hidden talent, but just the I don't know. A lot of people have it. The hard work and ethic. I don't really know. I know a lot of people have it, but for me, like I've always been kind of, that's what's made me in the racing community. Like I wasn't great at a lot of things in this industry. I would say my, my greatest thing is I can take a hit <laughs> if I was to say anything because my dad's always, and I'm really good at fixing things that shouldn't be fixed when it comes to almost crashing on a dirt bike. But my, I never took that one for granted. My dad always, always like, oh, you'll fix it anyways. And I was like, but <laughs> the day I don't is the day that I don't want to happen. 
Um, <laughs> but just being able to take a hit and I mean, I feel like I've had to work for all the things I've had. And I feel like a lot of people have, they look at my riding style now and they're like, Oh, he's so smooth on a dirt bike and kind of methodical with it. And that's just from years of training day in and day out and going to the training track with my trainer. And he literally like said, I got one corner out of a thousand corners. Perfect. <laughs> Every yeah. other one of them wasn't even, wasn't at expectations. You know, I wouldn't want it any other way, but that's, I've had to, you know, work hard for the things that I've created now. And, you know, it's, it's good and bad. Sometimes I wish I was talented and sometimes I don't because, you know, being talented, you don't respect it as much as you do when you work for it. Yeah. Not all of us can ride around the track looking like Jet Lawrence that he's barely trying. Right. So a lot of effort, yeah. put it, a lot of effort put into it. If you weren't a motocross racer, an off-road racer, what would you want to be? You know, if motocross wasn't your thing and you decided to do something else, what, what would you want to do? I mean, when I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a firefighter, but as I've gotten older, I kind of wish that I was a travel blogger, somebody that just got to travel the world and basically check out all the places until I basically got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm good settling here. So I'd say traveling, being somebody that gets to live a lifestyle of just traveling all these cool places. Yeah, that's cool. And so growing up in Reno, are you still based out of there? And did you go through the public school system or were you homeschooled? How did you grow up there? Yeah, so I grew up in Reno. I'm still based out of Reno, especially for the off-road side of things. Like I have so much off-road close by. It's the perfect place for me. Um, and growing up through the school system, like I went all the way through eighth grade and once in the public school system. And then after eighth grade, ninth grade till graduation, I went through an online schooling program at that time was definitely the most busy and leaving. I was maximizing all those days that I could be gone. Um, so it was kind of that turning point. And that was when I finished off in the homeschooling side of things. That's cool. Yeah. And I always think there's not a right or wrong way to do it. You hear kids that are, that grow up in their homeschooled, you know, from a very young age and some that go to school and, and then go to homeschool and some that go to school and then, you know, it's continued riding. So I think it's cool that people riding dirt bikes that it, there's not really a right or wrong way to do it. And I think, you know, people figure out what works best, best for them. So, so you mentioned you grew up racing moto, you uh, got your pro supercross and motocross license. I saw you did a couple outdoors in 2018. I think it was Washougal and Hangtown. You finished low twenties there. Was that the first and only year you did outdoors or did you give any other years a, a shot or was, was, was that pretty much it? That was, that was the first and only time that I had done it. I, I went to Hangtown and raced that one. And I went to hang or Washougal and raced that one. And at that time I was kind of in a little bit of a, a, not really a falling out with the sport, just, you know, a very stressful time in my career of just mom and dad spending a lot of money for me to go racing and not exceeding at the abilities that we all thought I was capable of and they thought I was capable of. And so I ended up coming back later in the season and did one more outdoors and that was the Washougal round. And at that point I was just like, it takes a lot of effort and time to do this. Like, I think I need to kind of take a little bit of a step back here and kind of evaluate what I'm doing and where the future is with this racing is going. And that was when I took a little bit of a break, but um, so yeah, just those, basically those two outdoors are the only ones that I, uh, have raced. Yeah. You know, it's crazy about our sport. I know it's small in comparison to stick and ball sports and a lot yeah. of the other sports out there. But if you think about it, pro motocross, supercross, even the off-road you guys are doing, I mean, that's the, that's the peak of 
of racing in, in our country. And to make it to that level, you're in the top 1% of people that ride a dirt bike. And, and to think that you can go out there to your first race and qualify for a national and finish in the twenties, low twenties, I think you're like 21st, 22nd, which for your first race is good. And, and to think that you can't get noticed with a result like that, or, or make a living with those type of results, it's, it's pretty sad when you think about it, right? Cause you're like, man, this is yeah. what we love. And you grew up doing it your whole life. And, and you know, you go out there and do a couple of races, you're spending your own money. The payback mm-hmm. that you're getting from the race, isn't really even covering the cost it costs to, to go race. And it, that's, what's sad about it. I think, yeah. and I don't know if that maybe helped your decision to go to off-road um, or if you thought about giving, you know, the pro motocross scene another year, but it's, it's sad that you, you guys that go really fast, and again, you get one, almost one shot and you go out there and it's like, well, I guess we're going to have to do it on our own. You know, it, it's sad that we don't have enough support to get guys that make the show and make the, make the motos, you know, support along the way. And and also the payout is pretty poor. I know they've upped it in the last yeah. couple of years and everything, but to be 20th and leave the weekend with maybe a thousand bucks or something like that. I mean, it's definitely depressing. I can imagine. Oh yeah. No, I mean, you're speaking on a lot of things that I know a lot of people think about <laughs> in the sport that is not very talked about, you know, and like when we first started talking and how I said that the racing dirt bikes in general, I think is the best sport there is out there. And obviously that's coming from my perspective. That's my opinion. But I think the reason why it isn't more known is because not as many people know about it and the media side of things is not covered. Like it's cool to see people like you guys that are putting the effort in to a sport that hasn't, I think, seen its potentials yet. And it does suck that there is not as much money in it because it's expensive, you know, and a lot of people look at just the ability to go race a dirt bike. Like you got to have somebody that's willing to commit everything or they have a decent company on the family to support you through it. When, and that's basically how you have to get into it. Like, it's not one of those things that you can just jump into and be somebody that can afford to go play soccer. You're not, you're not going to yeah. fare well in the sport of dirt bikes. Like, I mean, a dirt bike nowadays, you know, can range upwards of $13,000. Like it's not a very normal thing for someone to go buy. Cause when you go buy that $13,000 bike, you still have to spend probably another five to eight grand on it to make it ready to go racing for yourself. And it's getting a little bit more different on that side with like the KTM Husqvarna and the gas gas corporation, you know, they've made their bikes a lot closer to being ready to go racing. When I first jumped in, it wasn't like that, but yeah, it's definitely hard to dedicate your whole life into something and hoping that you're going to be able to make it. And if you get to a certain point where it's, it's becomes financially just too much for either the family yourself or the program, you got to make a little bit of a change. And that was definitely a part of the discussion and the thought process that took me away, took me away from the motocross and supercross side of things because my parents were spending a ton of money for me to go and race and shoot when we, I did the supercross. Like I went from Anaheim that one weekend to Houston, Texas, the next weekend, and then back to Anaheim and then to Oakland and to do that on your own parents dime. And, you know, you're not making enough from the <laughs> night shows to even pay a quarter of that. And yeah. it's a lot of people like the people that are in racing right now 
are the ones that are just so passionate about it. They overlook all of the, the financial side of things when you're just doing it because you love it and you hope that you get an opportunity and it's hard to do. Yeah. And it's sad that when you look at, obviously golf's really on a big stage, but you look at the guy that got, he made the cut, but he gets last place in the U S open. And for four days of golf, he's making, I think it was like 58,000 for, for last in the tournament where you get, you get, you guys, you got there and, if you're in a 250 night show and even if you don't make the main, you're like I said, you're getting, you know, a thousand bucks, but like you said, you have a $13,000 dirt bike and, or probably two of them because you need a practice or a spare bike. And then you have the other thing that's crazy to me is that you have to have your pro license. You got to pay for, then you got to have your own, you got to pay for entry fees and you got to have credentials for your mechanic and then race. Get, I mean, it's just, it adds up. And if you don't have a, a team or sponsorship for that and you're and you're funding it out of your pocket it almost makes it impossible to say the least so was that kind of one of the things that you met when you you guys decided to do off-road and you said you rode off road your whole life but if you think about motocross supercross you think oh you know the fans the glitz the glamour and then you look at off-road you're like man you know guys out there it's long races guys getting dirty you're riding in the the dust the rain the mud it's not as appealing i would say did you think of it that way or were you excited to make that jump into the off-road scene and and kind of think what and wonder what you could do there i mean that's always definitely a thought it's it's super cool to be able to go to a race and just be around fans and whatnot like i feel like i perform better in the more stressful situations like that like when people are watching like growing up like i remember when i'd have like factory teams being out at the the pro outdoor tracks and whatnot and i was privateer like you'd see like roger DeCoster or like big time teams out there. Like I was on those days, like always. And so like getting into the motocross, supercross side, like having that many people and eyes in it, it's definitely a cool aspect. And it's unfortunate that it's not that way with the off-road side of things. But I think with the off-road side of things, like shoot, I think it would be bigger than the motocross and supercross because it's more relatable to so many more people. Like everybody can ride a dirt bike at any level, whether it's a 50, you know, all the way up to the four fifties or big bikes, like, so like, it's a little bit more relatable in off-road and the works and the NGPC side of things like NGPC, like they'll get some pretty good showings of just people out there and it's cool to see the family basis. So it's definitely a change. You know, those are some things that like, I wish that was there, but for what it is, like when I found the, I had the opportunity and just to go and test out the, the off-road side of things, like when I started doing good at it and I was able to find like a, an area where I was able to be successful with it, like I kind of forgot about the fan basis and stuff and more was just like everyone does it because they're more passionate about riding the dirt bike or I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but speaking for myself, like I'm more passionate about riding the dirt bike than I am to go out there and show off everybody like what my capabilities are. Like I want to ride the dirt bike and to be able to ride the dirt bike, you know, for a living is what I want to do. I don't want to be the guy that's doing it just because I want people to see me doing it. Like, obviously that's a, that's a cherry on top is the way I looked at it. Yeah, that's cool. And I, you know, what's interesting is the work series been around for a long time. I know the NGPC series used to be called the big six and, you know, yeah. the work series back in the day, I remember the days of like Ty Davis and those teams and you had Bobby Bonds out there. And, but honestly, mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, you, these series have had, has a, have a lot of support from the manufacturers. Like you mentioned, so you're riding for, you know, factory rockstar energy Husqvarna, you have factory KTM beta, mm-hmm. you have SLR Honda precision concepts, Kawasaki. I think pure Pervine's Yamaha is still out there. There's a lot of support out there for you guys. And I think there's a lot more support than people realize. And then also, like you mentioned, going to these races, 
it's I, th I feel like the atmosphere there is just more laid back and family oriented where you have people camping out over the weekend you have kids that are racing in the mornings and you guys are doing the afternoon races and i don't know it just reminds me of like old school moto where there's lots of families lots of trailers it's just a cool event and i feel like they yep. how it's been in the last couple of years has been enjoyable not only for the people racing but the people there it's just a fun environment and yeah racing's fun too but it's just a cool atmosphere to be in definitely it's yeah, I would looking at it and just seeing both sides of the spectrum, like motocross and supercross, not to like make it sound like it's a bad place to be, but like, it's a lot more, it's way more serious of an environment. Like it's pretty cutthroat. Everyone's kind of all about themselves, but you know, and I think a lot of it is just cause it's so hard to do, you know, it's not just intentionally like people are trying to be like rude or anything. It's just, it's hard, you know? And when you come to the off-road, like not to take away from that, like it's extremely hard on the physical side of things and the racing side of things. Like we're pushing, you know, our, what I think is my 30 minute outdoor pace for two hours. And so the physical side of things is crazy for that. And they're just two different worlds. The family environment of the off-road is, is kind of a breath of fresh air. It's nice to just see so many people that are just there because they just love riding dirt bikes. They're not there because of the fan bases. Yeah. And I think when you think about an hour and a half or two hour race you, from outside looking in, you're like, oh, these guys probably pace themselves. But if you go watch those races, it's pretty much a sprint the entire mm -hmm. way. And, and you guys go pit for 15 seconds or so you, you know, you guys have the quick fill gas tanks that you're in yep. and out and they might splash some water on you and you get a fresh pair of goggles. But, um, you guys are pretty much at a dead sprint the entire race. <laughs> I think from people think, oh, you kind of settle into a pace that, you know, you can go for two hours, but that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah. No, when I first came into it, having a motocross background, like you've, you know, amateur ranks, like you've six laps. <laughs> and if you're not there on lap one or two you're not getting to the front because they're gone it's just you don't have enough time and i struggled a little bit with that growing up through the ranks but like out the the off-road side of things like after spending so much time with the motocross side of things like my speed right out of the get-go was like like full full head and these guys you know when i was racing the pro 2 in 2018 and 2019 like they didn't really have that um, you know, not to take away from these guys, it was just a different way of how they went about their speeds, you know, and they started to pick it up towards the end. And I was already so far ahead at that point in 2019, like I had multiple races where I was like three minutes ahead. And like, that was when I was falling off. And that was when they were turning it on. So I was able to manage those leads. And that kind of I definitely saw a change with how things were. And when you go to the pro ranks, like, it's not like that in the lower classes going to the 450 pro side of things like the sprint speed was there and sometimes it wasn't but like they were always there was always strong racers racing against a, a taylor roberts who's been doing it for 20 years like <laughs> it's hard to find scenarios where he wasn't good at because i mean yeah it's just he's so well-rounded and there was a lot of other people out there in the same manner cole martinez and dante Oliveira, and just I, I, there was quite a few others that were still in it from just like racing from when it was a different owner in the work series that had some serious background in the off-road side of things and those guys were strong all the way through but the speeds just keep going up i mean it's just crazy the technology gets better and we go faster and then physically we get better and we go faster and it's just never ending and when you're pushing for two hours like 30 minutes like you get the deterioration side of things is gnarly but like 
you can only beat yourself up so much in a shorter time domain where you go for two hours, like everything starts to multiply on how much you're beating yourself up. Um, <laughs> I remember one race, I, when I first got on the team in 2020, it was a bit of a change going to a factory set of things where like you're, you're stuck to the, the sponsor on the team where, you know, privateer wise, like I never had to worry about that. And I had to figure out some gloves and I've always been a picky person about my gloves. And at the time I picked just a set of gloves that they were a little too tight for me. And I've always ran small gloves and everyone thinks I'm crazy. I like, <laughs> it's just what works for me. And at the Adelanto round in California, I was literally going through my head thinking about like, all right, if I leave my glove on, this is my throttle side. I'm going to stay where I'm at because I'm pumping up so bad. I can barely hold on. And I'm not even like halfway yet. If I take my glove off and be able to finish this race and go way faster, because I won't be able to complain about my glove. So the thought process was to take my glove off, but come to find out afterwards of the after effects of what I did to my hand for riding for an hour and 20 minutes with no glove and having to race the next weekend, I had completely eroded my palm skin to like the nerves and same thing with my thumb, but I ended up almost getting second place in that race. I was sitting like fifth place at the time and I worked my way almost in the second and finished with a strong third. And that was my first ever pro race on the team and everything. And that was definitely a cool accomplishment, but coming to the next weekend, like I was lying to myself on how much pain I was going to have to go through. and deal with. <laughs> so it wasn't great in the long run. Maybe that's a, a rocks, Rockstar Husky thing. Obviously, Zach Osborne on the Rockstar Husky factory team on the yeah. moto side. I always heard interviews where he's very particular about his gloves, and his gloves are so yeah. small he like needed help getting into them. And so um, I get you there. Gloves definitely, I'm picky too. I think a lot of people are. It's just not too many people give much credit or, or want to acknowledge it. <laughs> people that I've been around, like they're like, oh, they try like a, a glove size down because they see it's working for me and they give me a hard enough time about it and realize I'm not going to change because it's just what works for me. But, you know, and then they change and they're like, oh, I was actually better going down a glove size. And I'm like, I'm not trying to say what I'm doing is right for everybody, <laughs> but you know, it's definitely something that's pretty critical. Cause I mean, it's like, it's like having a grip seat and loose pants. There's <laughs> it's pointless to buy the grip seat at that point. I mean, <laughs> It doesn't work. <laughs> no, you're showing a lot more than you want. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's 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 funny, too, with you saying about just the Husqvarna side of things. It was perfect when I got Dave Feeney because he was totally – it was like basically he just went to another Osborne. <laughs> yeah. The same situation, and I was asking him. I was like, what was Zach doing with his gloves? And he's like – I had buddies say that they're like, I straight up – I swear I saw him putting 3M glue on his hands to put his gloves on and just glue them to him and <laughs> – I, I think I asked him and he wasn't actually using it, but, um, you know, very similar. And I actually kind of followed some of the things that he used. And now I'm kind of at the spot where I use like a spray glue, but they discontinued it. So now I'm trying to find a new one, but yeah, it's definitely a, I guess there's a couple people that do it on the Husky side. And I think he even used to shave down his grips and stuff like that. Cause his hands were so small. I don't know, but Hey, whatever. Oh, I ran them. His <laughs> grips were a custom grip. They were smaller. There was, it was a smaller diameter on the throttle tube. I uh, ended up running them because that was the other thing too. Like you have to run, you know, we're on pro taper grips and I was set on one set of grips my whole entire career leading up to that point. So I was very comfortable with them and I was trying to find what worked and, 
nothing really felt comfortable. So I tried Osborne's grips. The only thing is, is when I went to Osborne's grips, they had pre-cut bars for him that were mm -hmm. an inch narrower. And me being a bigger guy, like I don't need thinner bars or, you know, in that way. And so I liked the grips. And after a while, I realized it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't right for me, but I actually ran his grips for quite a while. Um, and then once I realized I couldn't control the bike as much as I wanted to, uh, with a lot of head shake, I was like, I got to go back to normal grips and ended up, they had another set of grips that I hadn't really tried much of and kind of got more comfortable with that style of grip and changed back to a, being a normal, normal human. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. There's so many, there's so many ins and outs and things that people, you know, preferences. And that's what makes it so interesting with our sport is it's not one Definitely. size fits all, you know, it's, it's cool like that. I always think that if you look at some of these off-road races, especially the works in NGPC, there's big turnouts. And, but then also I know guys that, cause I've raced them for a long time, obviously not on your level, but I always try to convince the moto guys to get out there. I'm like, dude, it's fun. But I don't know mm -hmm. if they look at it and think your bike just gets ruined, which it doesn't. I mean, uh, maybe at your guys' level, because you guys have the pro sections and you guys are going really fast. But for guys like me, I mean, I'm not ruining a bike out there. But it's hard to convince those guys to get out there and give it a give it a try. So what would you say to guys that are wanting to do off-road or look at off-road and maybe are intimidated by it? But in reality, it's really fun and it's not it's not as bad as I think they think it is. How could you sum up what racing works in NGPC is like? Well, it's going to be way more enjoyable than you think. The environment's way better works. You get motocross and you get off-road. So you get, you know, both scenarios and you get to go ride a course that's twice as long. Like I, the way I describe off-road is everywhere is my playground. Motocross and supercross, the only places that are playgrounds for that is motocross and supercross tracks it opens up your eyes to so much more. And like the one big thing and the tip that I would give any motocross guy coming to the off-road is if you go there on your motocross suspension, it's not going to be as enjoyable unless you have suspension set up for it. So like, don't, I'm just saying that as don't beat yourself up, <laughs> but it's so much. Cause like I did that in 2019 when I first started in it, I ran full motocross suspension and I felt like a complete squirrel out there. I was like this two hour race, destroyed me and i got to do this for the whole season i was like this is gonna be brutal but once i adjusted my suspension and made it more suitable because like we run so much different setups like for me like going to a motocross track i don't really even like to show up to certain ones because i'm not able to give my fullest potential on my capabilities because it's not set up for that mm -hmm. because you know we have to have a best of both worlds like we do ride motocross but for me i set myself up a little bit more suitable to the off-road because I feel like that's where I need a little bit more help or I'd like to have more comfort. Um, cause I can, I have more skills and abilities on a motocross track where I can make do cause it's just something that I can do, you know, and everybody's kind of different in their ways, but it's, it's a blast. I, I like doing it. I mean, it's grueling, but shoot, if you're trying to go out there and have fun, it's a great series to go, you know, from any of them off-road wise to go and test something a little bit new and realize that there's more out there and the off-road side of things is, is pretty darn cool. It's, it's something that I have grown a huge love for and always have had, you know, a love for just the dirt bikes, but to open it up to the off-road and shoot, if you buy, if you have a bike set up for off-road and you go back to motocross, you can ride it a little bit, but like when you are bored with all the motocross tracks, you can go ride anywhere there is close to your house and your suspension is going to work awesome for it. And it's going to make it fun. And, you know, you don't have to be so disciplined to such a small area. You can open it up a little bit. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think at least for us slower riders where I just run my off-road setup. I think it, for me, it's, I run a softer setup and, you know, it's not as stiff and it works plenty fine for us normal people on a motocross track. Mm -hmm. You're, you might blow through the stroke a little bit on some jumps or whatever, but I'd rather have it be softer than, than stiffer. And, but I think it, like you said, it's, it's, it's definitely enjoyable. It's, you mentioned the moto track. It's really an ex expanded moto track, right? You have the motocross portion of it, which is maybe 10% of the track. Then you have off-road, but you know, for most of the regular guys racing it, it's, it's groomed, it's watered. Yeah. It's going to get rough, but for most people, they take care of the track and, and there's going to be rough sections, which helps separate and makes us tired, but it, it is a blast. And you yeah. go out there and the first one you do, you're, you, you're probably sucking wind at the 10 minute mark, even though you have 40 minutes left. But I feel like, you know, once you get an understanding of what it's like that, you, you know, how it works, everybody out there's probably got a job and, and there's not many guys out there that at least in my class can go the full hour wide open. So we all know that we got to go to work mm -hmm. on Monday. So there's a lot more, <laughs> there's a lot more respect out there than going out there on a, on a Saturday at Glen Helen against some 17 year old kids. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not worried. There's no fear <laughs> for him. He's like, no. I'm like, what? I could get hurt at this. Like, mm -hmm. well, I'm just thinking about how much fun I'm going to have and how fast I'm going to go <laughs> for sure. So 2023 this year, You've been on this team for a couple of years. Like you said, you made the jump over off-road really in 2018. What what does 23 look like for you? I know you're I think you're sitting third in points in the NGPC series. You have some you've had some really good results. And that feels like this year the NGPC series is really stacked. I mean, the works have some guys in it too, but I feel like this year there's been more focus on the uh, NGPC series. So you've had yep. some good results there. Are you just doing that series or are you doing any others or what is I'm your... doing the Western hair scrambles as well. That series has not been great at all for me this year. It's just, it's a totally different change of pace. You know, a lot of the rounds are up North. And for me, like I grew up in the desert, high desert, there's not much trees around here. And if there is, it's a pine tree and you can't get close <laughs> to it because there's branches on it, you know? So this stuff's been a bit of a change for me this year. It's it's not near with the performance effort or the abilities that I'm able to put out. And it's not a lack of team putting into me or whatnot. It's just something that has been hard for me to adjust to. And you're, I mean, you got an average speed of like 47 miles an hour and your base speed is like 16. Wow, Way yeah. different than the shoot our averages on, on <laughs> the NGPC or works or any of the faster series we'll get upwards at a hundred miles an hour, basically as fast as your bike can go. And we do that every lap, you know, yeah. or you'll go to a, a series. Like if you want to call it the tighter one, like Lake Havasu, like it's a short course and in a two hour race, like we've done 27 laps and, you know, and it's way tighter, but the speeds are so much different. So the change of pace for the Western hair scrambles this year has been a huge just, I wouldn't say eye opener, but something that I'm having to adjust to and just having a, a lot of struggles with it. But, you know, when it comes to the NGPC works and just like those types of races, like that's what I'm like, that's what I've trained the most on over the years. And so the Western hair scrambles is a big, I think it's just, it's, it's great to show me what I need to keep working more on. And it's basically the opposite of what I'm good at. So yeah. it's been a little bit of an eye opener with that series, but yeah. So Western hair scrambles and NGPC are the two series. And right now just got to keep working and see if we can keep pushing up into the second position for the NGPC. Yeah. And I noticed a couple of you guys like you, Dante, I think there might be a few others still doing the NGPC, but also 
made the switch from works to the hair national hair scramble series what was the i guess deciding factor for you guys to make the switch from works to that is it just been just the the support from the works or is it just been you guys are just branching out trying to do something different but i've noticed a couple of guys they've been sticking to the ngpc series but also kind of exited the work series and now have done the western hair scramble yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know the full details. I know just basically it was more of just like trying something new when it comes to the work series. Like, I think they put a great event on every single time I've ever been there. Like, I, obviously, there's always things that every series can make better. But when it comes down to it, like that series is well run. Like, I really appreciate all the effort that the Perry's put into that series. And when I really liked that series. So, I mean, to change, I was kind of bummed to go to the Western hair scrambles, not to diss the series in no way for Western hair scrambles. I just, I feel that the, or the work series is more suitable for just my riding style and what I like to do. And just kind of, it's, a, I mean, works world off-road championship series is well-known. Um, so, I mean, I think it was just a bit of a change on the team side of things. And I was like, all right, let's see where this goes. And that was kind of their decision when I don't know all the details as to what was the decision or the deciding factor for it. I think it was just a bit of, you know, making a little adjustment change. I don't know, maybe suiting a little bit more training towards like what East coast riders get that we don't get on the West coast and kind of having that dynamic where you have some fast racing, but you also have the tight stuff and building that um, skill level to, you know, basically both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And I think if you compare works and NGPC, when you're doing the, both of those series, they're really comparable. So for your guys' yeah. riding style, right. You're like, okay. Yeah. A lot of the same venues, you know, different track setups, different, a di little bit different uh, pro sections or whatever, but very similar. But then, like you said, going from mm -hmm. a NGPC to a hair scramble, totally different ends of the spectrum. So it's probably hard to transition back and forth. <laughs> It's, it's different. Like right now I'm running two different setups on suspension and having to test with two different setups on bouncing back and forth from those disciplines. It's, it takes a little bit more when the, you're, you're like, all right, I'm done with NGPC. Now I'm getting on my other suspension and I'm kind of, you know, changing up. And I know some of the other riders are riding the same setups for me. I feel like the best thing was to make something a little bit more suitable to, for it, you know, and for me, like I've spent a lot of time in the motocross side of things. So motocross i'm obviously i feel very comfortable and i'm strong on that stuff and with the off-road like it's a little bit you could say more foreign for me so i want it to be a little bit more comfortable on that stuff so making the suspension a little bit more suitable to the disciplines that i'm riding like when i'm doing the work series i make it a little bit more for the off-road than i do the motocross and that's you know with the western hair scrambles it's pretty much what you'd consider all off-road there's some motocross tracks that have been put into it, but they're not fully prepped. They're not prepped at all. It's just maybe if there's some rain or whatnot, that's the, there's that moisture in the track. Um, but they're like kind of backyard outdoor tracks. Um, mm -hmm. If there is any put into it and everything else is a lot more on the tight side and the trees, um, single track, hard to pass stuff. That's just a different, different change of pace from, what we have here on the west coast i would say it's a little bit more suitable to gncc i've never spent too much time or any time around the gncc but just going back east and seeing a little bit of that scenario is like it's definitely goes in that direction yeah for sure and so you guys are on your at least for the ngpc i know you guys are on your summer break which is nice that they're not 
you're not having to go out there in the scorcher of the summer. Like you know, yeah. that, that's, what's cool about that. I'm not sure if, uh, your Western hair scramble has a summer break, but what does, does. uh, Oh, cool. So you, so as you'll finish those two series out for this year, going into 24, do you know what your plans are for 24? Are you on the same team? Or are you going to do the same series or just, is it too early to know at this point? So I, I do have a contract through 24 with the factory Husqvarna team. Right now, there's not a set plan as to what the next year is coming for basically racing series, but more than likely, I mean, it'll probably be between the three series of what I've already done right now. We'll see maybe maybe a little bit of a change this next year with the series. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with us today. Like I said before we hit record, we're we're diving in the off-road side of things. We're, you know, these series is a really big, lots of support from manufacturers. Also, lots of people there at the races. You know, your entries could be a thousand plus on a weekend, depending on where you're at. And it's just a really big and fun atmosphere. And I feel like just getting people more in the know of what it is and they can go check it out and know that there's top level athletes racing these series as well. So appreciate you taking Definitely. the time to do it with us today. Are there any sponsors or any shout outs you want to give out before we wrap it up? Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the factory rockstar Oscar Barna team, you know, I can't, can't thank those guys enough for the opportunity. And, you know, I, you know, first off I want to thank you guys for doing what you guys are doing to support just the industry, you know, cause I, I know there's a passion on your guys' side and it's cool to have people that are supporting us. And if you guys, want to check out my social media pages it's austin underscore walton 50 on instagram and i also have a youtube page you guys can jump over there austin walton where i've thrown up some vlogs and some things where i've had in the past to see a little bit more kind of behind the scenes and stuff that i've put up that i don't have over on my instagram social media side of things but yeah can't thank the whole team enough and dave feeney my mechanic it's cool to that have cool. somebody with such an I mean, it's wild, like cool to have somebody with that much background I and mean, just the stories he talked about and how there was a story with him with Tomac, you know, they were, you know, he was on minis and stuff. So it's, it's, it's wild to have conversations with him and shoot just to, I mean, he's, he's a friend of mine, you know, I, I not, he's not just my mechanic and it's cool to have that, you know, camaraderie and somebody I kind of. Well, he's, he's more of like a dad figure to me than <laughs> like a normal mechanic that's at a younger age. He's, mm-hmm. he's got so much wisdom and experience. Like I'm all ears always with him and, you know, we work well together. I love having him and with, with my, with my program and my Anthony Vasilia on the team manager side of things, like these guys all do so much for us and I uh, can't thank those guys enough. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's cool that, you know, Dave has made his transition over to off-road too. He yeah. said Osborne's mechanic for a long time and it just seems like a cool guy. And like you said, you probably, have, he has a lot of experience. You probably take a lot from him. So that's awesome. And, and Definitely. for, and for us, Whiskey Throttle Media, we're going to, like I mentioned before, we're going to make a trek up to Ridgecrest. I'm out of Bakersfield, so it's not that far from my house, like an hour and a half or so. So we're going to make that yeah, trek up to Ridgecrest and do some rider interviews, pre and post race and just some bike videos and really just try to give the NGP series a little coverage, not only for them, but for you guys too, and just bring some different content for everyone out there. So I appreciate it and yeah, enjoy your break. I'm sure you guys, uh, you guys have been racing a lot this year, so enjoy your break and I'm sure you'll be ready back at it come August, September. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you.